and welcome to the Narrow Road Podcast, a place to share the journey of walking with God on the narrow road that leads to life. I hope that you find rest and encouragement here, but above all, the awareness that you're not alone on the way. Hello, hello everyone, and welcome back to the Narrow Road Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Bowyer, and it is my pleasure to be back with you for another episode. Today, I am diving back into the last half of Luke chapter 6. We're getting into some of the meat of one of Jesus's first major sermons. It would be in Matthew chapter 6, I want to say. We would be getting into the Sermon on the Mount, and it is big, and it is long, and it is important. It is probably one of the most preached, known, talked about sermons that Jesus gives. It's really the main message that Jesus gives in terms of like a big, huge, one-off teaching um, in the Gospels. There's so many other times where Jesus does talk at varying lengths, but not necessarily to large, large groups of people and not quite so in-depth and so lengthy. And so I'm very, very excited to get to read these words, um, especially in the um, Amplified Bible, because I think it really adds a lot of context to his words So we are going to do that today. And I just wanted to say thank you for those listening to, for your understanding really about my inability to do a podcast, a proper podcast anyway. Yesterday, I am doing better today after um, processing to the the best of my ability um, the the hurricane damage to my um, childhood hometown. It was a lot. It was a really heavy day, um, but sleep is healing, and, you know, I am all the way here in New Zealand, and I just have to keep in perspective that, you know, I'm I'm far away from everything, and there's only so much that I can do or feel or say about the issue, really. It is what it is. But after having some time to rest and reflect and go do some photography with my husband today with um, the film camera that he got me for my birthday, it was just like, it was a nice restful Saturday. So I'm ready, I'm back to dive in to Jesus's message to all of us, um, but specifically to the people of his day and his communities of his nation during his early days of ministry. So let's dive in to the last half of Luke chapter 6. Okay, so we are reading from Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 20 today. So we've already read um, the first half where he was choosing the 12 disciples um, he also did some other miracles, and we we studied that two episodes ago, so go back and listen to that episode to catch you up if you haven't heard it yet. And now we're going to actually get into his preaching. So I'm going to go back and actually start a couple verses up, because um, 
it kind of sets the scene for what we're about to read. So you just get the context and you can kind of see where we're at. Um, so I'm going to scroll up actually from, instead of starting in verse 20, I'm going to start in verse 17, which you've already read, but it'll set the scene better. Then Jesus came down and stood on a level place, and there was a large crowd of his disciples and a vast multitude of people from all over Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to listen to him and to be healed of their diseases. Even those who were troubled by unclean spirits and demons were being healed. All the people were trying to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. And looking toward his disciples, he began speaking. And he said this, Blessed are you who are poor in spirit, those devoid of spiritual arrogance, those who regard themselves as insignificant. For the kingdom of God is yours, both now and forever. Blessed are you who hunger now, for righteousness, actively seeking right standing with God, for you will be completely satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now over your sins and repent, for you will laugh when the burden of sin is lifted. Blessed are you when people hate you and exclude you from their fellowship and insult you and scorn your name as evil because of your association with the Son of Man. Rejoice on that day and leap for joy, for your reward in heaven is great and absolutely inexhaustible. For their fathers used to treat the prophets in the same way. But woe! Judgment is coming to you who are rich, and place your faith in possessions while remaining spiritually impoverished, for you are already receiving your comfort in full, and there is nothing left to be awarded to you. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, enjoying a life of self-indulgence, for you will mourn and weep and deeply long for God. Woe to you when all the people speak well of you and praise you, for their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way. But I say to you who hear me, love that is unselfishly seeking the best or higher good for your enemies, loving your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless and show kindness to those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever strikes you on the cheek, offer him the other one also. Simply ignore insignificant insults or losses, and do not bother to retaliate, yet maintain your dignity. Whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to everyone who asks of you. Whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you only love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend money to those from whom you expect to receive it back, 
what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to receive back the same amount. But love, that is, unselfishly seeking the best or higher good for your enemies, and do good and lend. Love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, for your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he himself is kind and gracious and good to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your heavenly Father is merciful. Do not judge others self-righteously, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others when you are guilty and unrepentant, and you will not be condemned for your hypocrisy. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, with no space left for more. For with the standard of measurement you use when you do good to others, it will be measured to you in return. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man guide another blind man? Will they not both fall into a hole in the ground? A student is not superior to his teacher, but everyone, after he has been completely trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice or consider the log that is in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, Brother, allow me to take out that speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite, you play actor, pretender. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. For there is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor... On the other hand, a bad tree which produces good fruit. For each tree is known and identified by its own fruit. For figs are not picked from thorn bushes, nor is a cluster of grapes picked from a briar bush. The intrinsically good man produces what is good and honorable and moral out of the good treasure stored in his heart. And the intrinsically evil man produces what is wicked and depraved out of the evil in his heart, for his mouth speaks from the overflow of his heart. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not practice what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and listens to my words and obeys them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a far-sighted, practical, and sensible man, building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house, and yet it could not shake it, because it had been securely built and founded on the rock. But the one who has merely heard and has not practiced what I say is like a foolish man who built a house on the ground without any foundation, and the torrent burst against it, and it immediately collapsed, and the ruin of that house was great." Okay, so when you hear this, first of all, it's going to probably hit you as, wow, that's a lot more text than I remember the Beatitudes having in terms of like 
additional descriptive text. That's my first inclination when I read from the Amplified Bible, but I want to reiterate this is the Amplified Bible. So some of what I'm reading is text that isn't necessarily verbatim. It's giving you the heart of what he's trying to say. So it's supplementing and sort of explaining or adding to what he's actually saying when you go back to the original Aramaic that he would have been speaking. So it probably felt like, wow, normally it says, blessed are you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. But it's there's important additions to understanding what he's really saying, and there's a lot more meat to it than I think the, just the standard English sentence will give it. So I really, really appreciate the Amplified Bible for that. So when he says, blessed are you who are poor, it added in sort of brackets, you who are poor in spirit, those devoid of spiritual arrogance, those who regard themselves as insignificant. Blessed are these people, for the kingdom of God is yours, both now and forever. Just that, he's saying, these are the people I can work with. These are the people that are going to enter in. These are the people that are going to receive me, and they're going to walk in my righteousness. People who have poverty of spirit they are devoid of spiritual arrogance those who regard themselves as insignificant and that's why later on he says woe to those who are rich he's talking about people who are both literally rich because what are when you're literally rich money wise it's going to make it difficult for you to regard yourself as insignificant right but also those who arguably are rich in in not just money, but just rich in their own perspective of themselves, pride, ego, influence, uh, affluence. So this is the correlation, sort of the, the, the differences he's trying to make. So blessed are you who are poor in spirit, devoid of spiritual arrogance, who regard themselves as insignificant, for the kingdom of God is yours, both now and forever. Blessed are you who hunger now, for righteousness, actively seeking right standing with God. When you're hungry for God, you're genuinely hungry. That means you know your need for him. People who don't know their need for him aren't hungry for God. They're not aware of an ache in their belly. They're not an air, aware of an ache in their soul. Blessed are you who are hungry. For you will be completely satisfied. Man, oh man. That's a promise. That's a powerful promise. Blessed are you who weep now over your sins, over the state of your life, over who you wish you were, over the knowledge of God, the relationship, the intimacy with him you wish you had, who weep now, for you will laugh. What a promise. What a promise. You will laugh when the burden of sin is lifted. I love the supplementary explanations. Man, it makes it so incredibly full. Blessed are you when people hate you and exclude you from their fellowship and insult you and scorn your name as evil because of the Son of Man, because you believe in me, because you walk with me. You're blessed. 
Rejoice on that day, he says, and leap for joy, for your reward in heaven is great. It is absolutely inexhaustible. That's additional context they're adding. For their fathers used to treat the prophets in the same way. (laughs) He's saying you're in good, good company. You're in good company, if that's your reality. But woe, or judgment is coming, to those who are rich... And place their faith in possessions while remaining spiritually impoverished. For you are already receiving your comfort in full and there is nothing left to be awarded to you. You don't have a need for God because you don't see it. But enjoy the time now because that's all you're going to get. Enjoy the comfort of your riches. Enjoy the comfort of your pride, your arrogance, your ego. Enjoy what it gives you now because that's all you're going to (laughs) get. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will be hungry. Whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. For you will be hungry spiritually and let's, you know, (laughs) it could be as literal as you want it to be, but I think more than anything, he's saying spiritually. For those who are well-fed, again, on your own ego, on your own abundance, on your own riches, you, you, you're you saying, I don't need anything. I don't need God. I don't see the need for him. Woe to you who are living like that, for you will be hungry. You will be spiritually starving, whether you know it or not. Woe to you who laugh now, enjoying a life of self-indulgence, for you will mourn and weep and deeply Long for God. This one has always gotten me. This one has always gotten me right here. Woe to you when all the people speak well of you and praise you. For their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way. Woo. Woo, woo, woo. I've said this before on this podcast somewhere, but my pastor used to say, if you're not encountering some kind of backlash to the life you're living with God, some kind of disgruntlement from others, if you're not receiving any kind of criticism or persecution, you're probably not walking with God the way you think you are. You might be on the wrong side of things. There's, there is something to be said about everyone speaking well of you. Because you got to think about it. Everyone speaking well of you, well, that means you're certainly probably not rocking the boat. You're probably not taking any kind of a stand. You might be a people pleaser. You might be a man pleaser. Um, or you, you know, you're in an echo chamber, (laughs) but woe to you when all people speak well of you and praise you for their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way. And notice he says the false prophets. These were people who would lead others astray with teachings that felt cuddly, but they weren't the truth. They they were telling people what they wanted to hear, but they were false prophets. They were leading people down the wrong path. And what happens when you're a false teacher, when you're telling people what they want to hear, everyone's going to love you. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? You're validating everything they want validated. But he says, but I say to you who hear me, love your enemies. And when he means love there, he says, unselfishly seek the best or the higher good for them. Love your enemies. Make it a practice to do good to those who hate you. 
Bless and show kindness to those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. I'm telling you what, that is hard. (laughs) That is capital H-A-R-D. Okay, that is hard. It is hard to bless and show kindness to those who curse you. But I'm telling you what, you tap into some type of holiness when you can, in fact, turn that cheek. You tap into some kind of depth in the Lord and power over your will when you can genuinely do good to people who seek you harm, who slander your name, who betray you. It is not easy, but... There is some kind of transitional experience one has when they can step into that in an honest place. I don't think it starts out as easy at the very beginning. It hasn't been in my experience, but it, I think it gets easier. I'm pretty sure the holier we get, so to speak, the deeper in God we get, the more reliant on him, the more we're aware of how much he's forgiven us, the more we're aware of how much he loves us and has mercy towards us and you see yourself truly. It makes it a little bit easier to extend the same to others, even those who are absolutely out to get you. He says on verse 29, whoever strikes you on the cheek, offer him the other one also. And I love this additional context. Simply ignore insignificant insults or losses and do not bother to retaliate. Maintain your dignity. So if someone strikes you on the cheek, this is what he means by just go ahead and give him the other one. He's saying ignore, ignore them, ignore insults, ignore losses. Don't retaliate. Whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to everyone who asks of you. Whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Woof! Sheesh! Don't demand it back. That's hard. (laughs) That's hard. (laughs) That's hard. When they take it away from you. Mm. Thinking of a very personal experience for me there. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you only love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive it back, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return for your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High because he himself is kind and gracious and good to the ungrateful and wicked. So he's saying we have to live by our father's example if we're calling ourselves his, his kids. We don't live by a different standard if we're truly under the lordship of God. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Do not judge others self-righteously and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others when you are guilty and unrepentant and you will not be condemned for your hypocrisy. Pardon others when they truly repent and change and you will be pardoned when you truly repent and change. Give it, and it will be given to you. They will pour it into your lap, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For with the standard of measurement you use when you do good to others, it will be measured to you in return. I think those are all pretty self-explanatory. I don't really feel like I need to add anything to that. Um, 
then he, then he asks them, can a blind man guide another blind man? Won't they both fall into a hole in the ground? A student is not superior to his teacher. He's literally saying that you need time. You are blind until you see. You are blind until you live, until you learn, until you walk with God. You are blind. So as a student, you are not superior to the ones who have gone ahead of you, who are further down the block than you, who have walked with the Lord longer than you. Everyone, but everyone after he has been completely trained will be like his teacher. That's another promise. When he has been completely trained, if you will go through your life in the Lord and let him grow you, let him train you up, you will reach a place where you are like those that you admire, that you see that are further ahead of you. You can and you will. It's a promise of God. But you must allow yourself to be a student and you must allow yourself the time and the dedication, the discipline to be completely trained in the ways of God with God. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice or consider the log that is in your own eye? That is such a powerful teaching, eh? We can easily forget it, but that whole concept of we look at the speck in someone else's eye, we sit there in judgment and condemnation of something someone's missing, lacking, not doing well, not doing right. Meanwhile, we are doing the same thing that we are seeing in them, but it's actually so much worse. It's so much bigger. Can you imagine like this a speck of wood in someone's eye versus a log coming out of their eye? Like he's trying to say like, hey, come on, like that's your hypocrisy. That judgment, that condemnation that you're lashing out on others. Meanwhile, you have like much bigger issues in your own life. Like until you've gotten that log out, you don't have any right <laughs> Till you work on yourself, you don't have any right to speak into someone else's life. How can you say to your brother, brother, allow me to take out the speck that is in your eye. Let me sit here and teach you about all these things that is wrong in your life. Let me go ahead and uh, be your teacher while I'm blind in one eye right now. I've got this huge log of my own, but let me go ahead and fix this little blemish in your eye here. You hypocrite, he says. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly, key, then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. So he's not saying don't help someone grow. If you see someplace they're struggling or they're lacking or they're hurting people, it's, 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 you can see that. But until you have gotten yourself to a point where you see clearly, you can't really be a help to them. And you don't have the right. You're a hypocrite. You have to deal with yourself before you can come helping others. He's not saying don't help them. It's just about growth and maturity before you are actually in a position to do so. For there is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor on the other hand a bad tree which produces good fruit. For each tree is known and identified by its own fruit. For figs are not picked from thorn bushes, nor is a cluster of grapes picked from a briar bush. The good man produces what is good and honorable and moral out of the good treasure stored in his heart. And the intrinsically evil man produces what is wicked and depraved out of the evil in his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of his heart. And then he finally closes with that powerful powerful passage that we've actually studied in a much much earlier episode the secure foundation he says why do you call me lord and not practice what i tell you don't sit here and listen to all of this stuff and call me 
the holy man and your teacher if you don't actually apply my words. Remember, the student is not better than the teacher. So he's saying, if you, but if you will, if you're going to call me Lord, then you will listen to what I'm saying. And if you listen to my words and obey them, I will show you what you're like. You are like a you are like a far-sighted, practical, and sensible man building a house on the rock. And when a flood occurred and beat against the house, it could not even shake it because it had been built securely and founded on the rock. But the one who merely listens to me but doesn't practice what I'm saying is a foolish man who builds his house on a ground without any foundation and the torrent bursts against it and immediately it collapsed and the ruin of that house was great. So the key here is he's saying, I'm giving you keys to life. If you're listening, if you're listening to this sermon I'm giving right now, if you really listen and apply it and actually live from this place, you are building your house on a foundation that cannot and will not be toppled. He's telling you, like, you cannot go wrong. There's times in your life when you take that high road and you turn the other cheek or you forgive or you lend and you don't ask for it back. There are times when it doesn't feel holy and it doesn't feel like you're making, you're taking ground or you're really growing. And in fact, sometimes life circumstances seems to literally scream at you that you're doing the wrong thing. You're doing the wrong thing. You're letting them get off too easy. You're this, you're that. But at the end of the day, Jesus is saying, if you live like this, you are building your house on a rock that cannot be demolished. It cannot be broken apart. Regardless of what other people say, regardless of what the circumstances are screaming at you, if you follow what I'm saying, You will be blessed, right? He said, blessed, blessed, blessed. You will be blessed. And no matter what actually comes against you, you will not be shaken because you are secure and you are founded on the rock. Alternatively, if you simply listen to this and you say, wow, that's really good. That's heartwarming stuff. Man, that's a good word. Yeah but you've just listened and you've just let it escape away from your heart and you don't practice it, then you're building your house on the sand and the storm will come and it will immediately collapse and the ruin will be great. Man, it's a firm warning. It's a powerful truth. And it's wise. And it's life. And I hope you got something out of this. I hope you got a lot out of this. I hope it was a lot of reminders. I know it was for me. Man, I'm, I'm convicted. I'm convicted in my own heart listening to some of that. Well, all of that. <laughs> but there's some areas in particular where I see where I've even gone wrong in my heart in the last few years. And, and things that I needed to, that I need to be reminded of. That I need to switch my perspective on. Mm. Yeah. It's powerful. It's the words of life. You can build your life on these things. It's not easy. No one said it would be easy, but it is life. So thank you to another to for listening to another episode of the Narrow Road Podcast. 
It is always my pleasure to be back with you, and I hope you'll tune in again tomorrow because we're going to carry on this journey. We're going to dive into Luke chapter 6 and see where the wild life of Jesus takes us next. So I hope you will tune in then, and um, yeah, we'll get into it. Thank you again for listening, and bye-bye.